Good morning, Bokertel. Welcome back to Living with Emuna. Good era of Yantif. So glad that we are spending our final count up to Shavuos, Tahar Sinai. Our final steps in uh, ending up at the mountain together, uh, preparing by Living with Emuna. I want to thank our generous sponsors. This series uh, is generously sponsored by Dr. Zavi and Bella Morgan in memory of Rabbi Dr. Brian Galbit, in memory of Bella's mother, Dr. Ellen Shanzer. Morgans have just signed up to sponsor next year as well. So I want to express our endless and boundless gratitude to the Morgans for their incredible generosity and thank them for uh, sponsoring the show this morning. Shir is also co-sponsored by Susan and Charles Rajasthan in loving memory of Anna Khan, Susan's beloved mother on her first year at site, a very special woman, a woman of profound amuna and faith. And uh, we miss her and wish a lot of comfort. Also, I want to thank, uh, last week we mentioned, we were running low on our incredible caffeinate with Kavana Amuna Cups, and uh, we have an anonymous sponsor. Thank you so, so much for the generosity. We deeply, deeply appreciate it. Okay, we're going to start off as we always do with some great emails from you, then we'll dive back into the text together and get ready for the holiday of Shavuos and stand at the base of that mountain and receive that Torah from a place of profound Amuna and faith together. So um, keep the emails coming. I love them. They inspire me. They motivate me. They're heartwarming to me. They take pressure off of me having to prepare a class. And, um, and they also, again, they model for all of us manifesting and executing on emuna, not only in, uh, in concept and academically, but in practice. So here we go. A couple of emuna. A lot of the emuna stories and emails have to do with the hashkacha, the divine providence of clicking on the episode to hear exactly what you needed to hear when you were going through something. There's nothing random, there's nothing chance, there are no accidents. You click on something and you heard it exactly when you, when you needed to hear it. So here's one like that. Dear Rabbi Goldberg, I do not really listen to your podcasts. That was very good for me. Appreciate, yeah, two thumbs up for honesty. That was good. Good for humility. Baruch Hashem. We're learning Mesil Sasharim. Parach of Beis, we just finished today, is all about humility. How to practice genuine, authentic humility. So I want to thank this author for helping me, helping me there. I don't really listen to your podcast. Let's just make that clear. My wife, however, listens regularly. So when we were driving back from a bar mitzvah in Yerushalayim to our home in Beit Shemesh, my wife suggested we listen to Behind the Bima interview with Zev Ornstein. I agreed. That was last week. Yom Yerushalayim episode. Zev Ornstein from Ir David. The interview was great, inspiring, but I had really been waiting patiently to share my reflections on the bar mitzvah during the journey. Basically, guys, like, I want to talk to my wife. She just wanted to listen to you. Let's be clear, I never listened to you. But like most men, I had no choice and I had to listen to you. When I thought the episode had ended, I paused the podcast and shared the following reflection. I must explain, I'm not a warm and fuzzy individual. That was pretty clear. The more cold, abstract, and technical the sugya, the more inspiring it is for me. In any case, the mother of the bar mitzvah lives in America had shared that they visited the kotel. She told the boy to ask Hashem for anything he wished. That took me back to when I was six years old and visited the kotel and diligently wrote my request as instructed and put it in the kotel. I had asked Hashem for my pet dog that had died to come back to life. Futile? As I matured, I thought so too. However, now many years later, I reflect that it was about 10 years later that I got another pet dog. I won't bore you with the details that were meaningful for me, but looking back, it has become clear that my prayers were indeed answered. Yes, it was a long drive. So he was reflecting. The comment about going to the Kotel reminded him his first time he went to the Kotel and he asked Hashem to bring his dog back and then later he got a new dog and he felt at least warm and fuzzy for the dog, <laughs> if not for me. I had shared, 
I had shared, it was over. Then I pressed play. And here are the next few words you said. Quote, Rabbi Brody, I sent you an article today that I saw. Half of Americans say their soulmate is their pet. In truth, in truth, I have no idea what you were thinking when you shared that. In truth, it probably should have been edited out of the podcast. Again, thank you for your honesty. For us in the car, for us in the car, it was like Hashem saying, yes, you got it. Indeed, the actions of the Jewish people are all interconnected, even in the most insane ways, inane ways, to show Hashem cares about even the most minor things that affect you. Thank you, and Kol Tov. I'm only joking. I do appreciate his email, and he is warm and fuzzy, despite his insistence that he's not, and it was kind of him to write. But again, I love these emails, because he's basically sharing this non-warm and fuzzy, warm and fuzzy memory with his wife in the car about his dog and being six years old, and for some reason, and he's right, I have no idea why I brought that up with Rabbi Brody about this article I saw about people feeling closer to their pets than to their spouse. Right when he pressed play, I needed to hear that and that memory, and that was great. Here's another one, maybe a little bit more. Lechvod Rabbi Goldberg. First, I want to begin my email with what you famously read as blah, blah, blah. I want to thank you for the Amunashir, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> On that note, this story just took place. I said to myself, how can I not share with Rabbi Goldberg? I work about 30 minutes from my house, give or take, with traffic. I prefer to leave myself 45 minutes to get home so that I am sure I'm on time for my seven-year-old's bus. Otherwise, no one is home to greet her. On days that I don't get on time, I panic and rush and have anxiety the entire way home thinking, I'm not going to make it in time. She'll be very nervous when she sees I'm not there. Today was one of those days I left with little time to spare. I got into my car, rushing and panicking and willing all the people on the road to get out of the way. I had started today's Amunashir on my way into work, so when I turned on my car, it automatically continued. The Rav was up to the part about, this was last week's shir, Shivisi Hashem on the steering wheel. Remember I told you about yes. my friend picked me up at the airport last week and he has taped on his steering wheel, actually, Kiatai Madi, you are with me, from Perch of Gimel, Psalm 23, Hashem, no matter where I go, no matter what I'm doing, whatever's happening in my life, you are with me. So I mentioned last week's shir how I got into his car and I saw a tape to his steering wheel, and we should tape that on our steering wheel and our refrigerator and our, our mirror of our bathroom, that all the places that we panic and get anxious and worry, Hashem, you are with me. So this author writes, the Rav was up to the part about it being on the steering wheel. Now, if that wasn't a message meant directly for me, I don't know what was. I was already panicking that I would miss the bus, but I heard that story and I said, you know what, Hashem knows I gotta be home. If it's His will, I will get there on time. I had the most calm ride home. And yes, as I pulled into my driveway, my daughter's bus was pulling up. Thank you again, feel free to share anonymously. So another two examples today. Last week we talked about three unlikely sources of Musr and Amuna. You remember what they were? The terrorist with the missiles that Hashem redirects and the JetBlue flight attendant who said, the main thing, the plane, is working. And what was the third one? Oh, the non-religious waiter in the restaurant in Israel, Abbas Shalcha Lamala, our boss is, is above. So that was last week's theme. This week's theme of these emails are turning on the Amunashir and nothing to do with me. I just speak. I often don't even know what I'm going to say. And Hashem helps people press play when it's something that they need to hear. And there are no coincidences and nothing is chance. And whatever we choose to listen to and whatever we press play and whatever we're exposed to, whatever we see, is exactly what we're meant to perceive. There's a Mishnah in Pirkei Avos. It says, Da malamala mimach. Know what is above you. Ayin roa ve'ozen shoma'as ve'chol ma'asecha b'sefer nechtavim. The eye sees and the ear hears and all of your actions, all of your deeds are recorded in the Sefer in the book. So classically, the Mishnah means to tell us that be careful what you do because... Everywhere you go and everything you do is being recorded. 
Now, for many generations, I'm sure Jews learned this Mishnah and said, yeah, not everything, can't see everything, doesn't hear everything, doesn't know everything. But now we know that there's Google cameras everywhere, and there's, yesterday I was talking to Yocheva, we have an air conditioning we need to replace, and then I go on my computer, and all of a sudden I see ads for air conditioners. Because this, they're always listening. On your phone, on your computer, you're being listened to all the time, and you're being watched all the time. Wherever you go, whatever you do, in this room right now, on this campus, and Google Earth all over the universe, there are cameras. So our generation appreciates this Mishnah, maybe more than any that came before. The Hashem has cameras and microphones everywhere, and you never escape, and you're never alone, and you're never innocent, you're never immune. He's listening, he's watching, and if you wouldn't do it in front of him, don't do it. If you wouldn't say it in front of him, don't say it because he's there and he's watching all the time. And that's in fact what many say, what the process of our transition into the next world is. There is no heaven and hell in the imagery of our youth, like little angels with wings and then like the little devil with the pitchfork. And the, that's not what it looks like, fiery. Heaven and hell are Hashem sits you down and he presses play and says, let's watch your life together. Every part of it, including when you thought you were alone, when you thought no one was listening, let's watch. Now we have the gift of editing. Editing is called tshuva. Tshuva is, Hashem says, I'm giving you access to the tape. There's only one copy. And if you like, you can edit out the parts that you don't want to sit and watch with me, that you don't want to sit and listen to with me. But there's an exercise to edit. You have to go through the process of tshuva. It has to be genuine and you can edit it out. And then wouldn't it be amazing if by the end of our lives, when we come upstairs, Hashem says, I'm going to press play. And you say, fantastic, where's the popcorn? I'm so excited. I have no shame, I have no embarrassment, I have no hesitation in any part of this video. Let's watch the whole thing. As opposed to my bar mitzvah video, which I would never want anyone to see. Any part of. I'm just saying what I looked like and sounded like and all of us. I'm joking, but wouldn't it be amazing to have a video of our life that we were so proud to play in Times Square with no hesitation, as opposed to the video as it stands now, where you would be mortified at the thought that others, including the source of the universe, would watch every part of it. And that's part of the inspiration. Do tshuva. Grab the editing equipment, do tshuva, and decide what you want to edit out, what you want to repair. But that's the classic way the mission is understood. Know that there is a, a eye in the sky. God is watching. God is listening. It's all being recorded. Choose wisely. Choose carefully. But the Helega Baal Shem Tov, the Holy Baal Shem Tov, he understood this Mishnah differently. And he said, Know that above you is God. Know that you don't live and operate in this world independently and in isolation. Know that there is God above. He's pulling the strings. He's choreographing. He's curating your entire life. So I in Ro'eh, what you see, you were meant to see. And what you hear, you were meant to hear. And how you react and how you respond and what you do as a result, it's all being recorded. So if you overheard someone say, I'm going through a hard time, you can't pretend, la, 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 I didn't hear that, I don't want to get involved, I don't want to help, I don't want to know. If you heard, you were meant to hear. If you saw, you were meant to see. Now what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? And the same is true for simple things like these two emails. If you pressed play and you were up to this in the podcast, there was a reason. You were meant to hear that. You were meant to watch that. You were meant to see that. And now what do I do with that? It's the difference between living mindfully or mindlessly. 
thoughtfully or thoughtlessly? Are you living your life saying, I'm processing everything I see and hear, and I'm constantly trying to understand why I meant to see and hear it, and how it's meant to improve me and make me better, what I meant to do with it, how I meant to react to it, or are you blindlessly just letting motion carry us through life? That's the difference. That's what these emails are, are telling us. I'll read one more quickly, and then we'll get back into the, into the safer. I want to thank you very much for the weekly. I'm going to share blah, blah, blah. I listen every week, blah, blah, blah. I like when you read the emails that you get. When this happened to me, I thought right away I must email you. It's not a major story, something I would have reacted to very differently had I not been listening. I just graduated nursing school last week. Mazel tov. And our professors told us as soon as we get an email out with our authorization to test, we can then sign up to take the NCLEX, which is the board exam that certifies you to be a nurse. I'm in a firm nursing program. We have a group chat, very active. We were all very anxious to receive our authorization to test so we can move along the process and take the final exam to become a nurse. This afternoon, a girl excitedly wrote on the chat, she received her ATT authorization to test. Several girls responded, they also did. I checked my email. I didn't see any email from the Board of Nursing. I panicked. I checked every one of my email accounts that exist. No email in any of my inboxes. I had water next to me and I started to say the bracha. And I thought, Shakol nie bidvaro. Caffeinate with Kelan. Shakol nie bidvaro. Everything is in Hashem's hands. I replayed the words from your podcast in my head. Things only happen if He wills it. I thought about it for a minute and I became much calmer. I thought to myself, this is in Hashem's hands and I won't panic. Baruch Hashem, two hours later, I got the email. So again, these, these emails, which there are many more I could share, but they're really all trying to reinforce the same idea, which is really all I do every Wednesday morning at 8.45, and yet, for some reason, you still show up. We just say the same thing every week, which is, you could live a life where you're anxious and worried and panicking and frustrated and angry and envious and arrogant, and, or you could live a life where you say, you know what, I didn't get the email yet. We'll see what's meant to be. I'm just a passenger on this ride called life. Let's see the next step in this adventure. You could live a life where you press play and I needed to hear that or this thing needed to happen or I'm calmer because it's just the way it goes. You could be driving home and you're scrambling and I hope that my daughter won't be waiting for me in the driveway. Or you could say, you know what? I won't make me get there any faster. That won't make me fly through the air. That won't make the lights all turn green. So you know what? I say whatever it is meant to be is will be. And I'm calm and I'm serene and I'm happy and I'm joyful and my blood pressure is low and I'm healthy. It's up to us. Do we want to put on our Amuna glasses or get our Amuna Lasek and see the world through the lens of Amuna, see Hashem everywhere in our life, feel His presence, talk to Him, hear Him talking to us? Then look at the life that it gives. Look at each of these emails that say, because I'm working on this, because I work out my Amuna muscles, because I'm creating Amuna muscle memory in which I react to these circumstances by staying calm, my life is better. That's what all these emails essentially say. So do we want to be able to write an email? Literally or figuratively? Do we want to get to that point to write that email? It's all up to us. You don't have to wait for someone else. It's all up to us. What response will we have? We can't always change our circumstance. We can't change our surroundings. We can't change the people around us. But we can change how we react and we can be responsible for how it makes us feel, and we can own how we respond. And will we respond with that sense of emuna, with that attitude of emuna? And to a degree, that's what this yantif of Shavuos is really all about. We do not commemorate things in the past. It's not our religion. Other religions' holidays are all about. For example, in America, not only religions, in America, soon it will be what? Memorial Day? Yes. Independence Day, July 4th. 
Each of these days, they, they commemorate something in history. July 4th, Independence Day, the day that we became independent. I feel bad because we're interviewing Rabbi Mervis tonight. But the day that we became independent. It's the chief rabbi of England. Okay, but July 4th, the day that we became, that we became independent. So how do you commemorate it? I don't know anyone in my entire life who sits down on July 4th and says, let's reflect on independence. What is independence? What does it mean to be independent? Let's work on our sense of independence. Let's evaluate and grow how independent we are. Let's express gratitude for independence. You know all I've ever heard anyone observe July 4th? Where's the barbecue? What's on sale? What time are the fireworks? Because a secular notion of, of time is linear and we're moving forward on that line and therefore events, holidays, are just commemorating the past. and We commemorate them superficially. We commemorate them in no way connected to the theme of the energy of the holiday. But the Jewish notion of time is very different. Jewish notion of time is not a circle. If it were a circle, you'd meet yourself from last year and two years ago and three years ago. Jewish notion of time is a spiral. A spiral repeats the same cycle, but it does so moving forward. It's a spiral. And we're repeating the same cycle. And as we repeat that cycle, we encounter dates on that calendar that have meaning and themes and energy. And the historical events that happen on them, we commemorate them not as part of a past, but the historical event revealed the energy and theme that is present, that we can tap into in the present. So Shavuos, we're not commemorating that the Torah was given. What are we doing? We're back at the mountain. We're re-accepting it. We're accepting it anew. For some, accepting it for the very first time. We're not commemorating. You commemorate with a sale. But rather, we are re-experiencing. We are, we're not reenacting. You know, that's like the, um, what was that fair I went to as a kid? The Renaissance Fair, right? We're not riding a horse and a knight and jousting and we're not, it's not a Renaissance Fair. Shavuos, we're not reenacting. Ooh, let's put flowers all over the shul and let's reenact and let's pretend. And who gets to be Moshe? Who's Aaron? Who's Hur? Who's the mountain? Who are the people? Let's reenact. We're not reenacting. It's not the Shavuos Fair. We are actually experiencing. We are engaging. We are accepting the Torah anew. This notion of time, which we don't have time to develop entirely right now, is not only true for the, the universal dates on our calendar that we all observe, it's also true for the individual and personal dates. Our birthday is not a day that we commemorate. 48 years ago, I was born on this day, let's celebrate it 48 years later. How? Whatever random way. What a birthday is, is, wow, on this date, those many years ago, Hashem decided the world needed me. And... I'm going to experience this day with a sense of mission and purpose and reevaluate why am I here and what difference do I make and gratitude that he created me. I'm going to be born again each birthday and evaluate. Mark Twain's famous comment, two most important days in a person's life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. So every birthday is re-asking the why. The anniversary is not just a random date. Let's go out for dinner, let's exchange gifts, let's figure out how to write yet another card because it's an anniversary. Every anniversary, you are getting married again. You are recommitting. You're offering vows anew. You are evaluating the state of your marriage and you're committing to that marriage again. 
By the way, these dates are meaningful, not the Gregorian secular dates. Those don't mean anything to us. As Jews, the dates that we follow are the Hebrew dates. You should know your Hebrew birthday. You should know your Hebrew anniversary. You should know the Hebrew date of Shavuos and Sukkot and Pesach and Hanukkah and Purim. That's the calendar we live by and we've lived by. And that's the calendar that gives us life. It sustained us. It's enabled our survival. We are a people of the moon, not of the sun. That is our calendar. That's ours. And we should know it. Know your Hebrew birthday. Know your Hebrew anniversary. And know that on that day, Hashem decided the world needed you, your birthday. No, on that day, you went from being a half to becoming a whole, your Hebrew anniversary. And don't just commemorate it superficially and randomly, but tap into the energy of it. What did it mean to go from being a half to a whole? How do you complement each other and bring out the best in each other? What does it mean? Who is your unit? What is your family? What is your family mission statement? What is an anniversary? That's what these days really mean. So Shavuos is not commemorating. It's a mistake. It's a terrible mistake, this notion of time that people think that we too have a linear. We're moving forward, so we're just celebrating something all the way from the past. No, we're in a spiral. We're revisiting these same dates. And the date, it's not the event that matters, it's what the historical event revealed that we too experience on that same day. So Pesach's not about commemorating leaving Egypt. Pesach is about, oh, we left Egypt, so today's about freedom. What does freedom mean to me in Tavshin Pei Gimel in 2023? What is emancipation? What is liberty? What is freedom? And sukkahs, what does it mean to have faith and to know God is protecting me even when I'm exposed to the elements? What does it mean, Hanukkah, to see everything as a miracle and nothing is natural? What does it mean, Purim, to read Hashem into the Megillah of my life even when His name doesn't appear? These historical events are not why we're commemorating it. These historical events gave us the code to decode what is the theme that is embedded in that day and time that we can tap into as well. So Shavuos, I'm not commemorating the past. Shavuos, what are we doing? We're gonna stand on the mountain. Friday morning, and to make sure we're not late, many of us stay up all night Thursday night, because the original time we overslept, we don't wanna oversleep again, so we stay up all night to ensure that we're up for, for Shavuos, which is also why we eat cheesecake, because it will so upset our stomach that we'll be up all night and on time for Harsinai, at least Ashkenazim, Svardim can still sleep in, but Ashkenazim, if they eat cheesecake, will be up all night, so we won't be late to Kabbalah Satora, Tahar Sinai. And Friday morning, my friends, don't sleep late, and don't stay in bed, and don't sit it out, and don't stay home, and don't say, you know, I gotta go on Shabbos, because that's Yizker, and I've gotta say Yizker, so I'll take off Friday. You wanna be missing from, from the mountain? All the Jewish people are gonna be standing at the mountain, arm in arm, hand in hand, Everyone together, unified. I promise you by Motzei Shavuos we'll go back to bickering and fighting and calling each other's names and marginalizing and dismissing. But for a little bit, we're going to stand there together. For a little bit, we're going to hold each other's hands and our heart is going to have one beat. It's going to beat with one rhythm. There will be no differences. There will be nothing that divides us. Whatever your opinion on judicial reform, whoever you want to vote for in the next presidential election, whatever you think about gun control, or whether you're rooting for the heat, whatever you think, whatever yarmulke you wear, don't wear, we'll all be there together. You want to be missing? We're not just, well, you, if it's a commemoration, you could miss it. It's a commemoration. I can miss the Renaissance Fair. I'll sit it out. It's okay. Been there, done that, Renaissance Fair. I don't have to see that again. If that's where all it was, sleep in. But it's not. We're getting together to go to the mountain again. We're gonna stand there with our children. And, and the, the, the Balkore is gonna read the Aseris Adibros, 
the Ten Commandments, and the, two, the first two are coming from God. The next eight are Moshe, and the Balkorah is going to play that role, and we are going to, again, we're not commemorating, we're not reenacting, we are accepting the Torah. We're accepting that relationship with Hashem. Don't miss it. Don't sit it out. Don't be a spectator. Show up. Be there. Be ready. Be excited. Be excited. So I mentioned this the other night at a chuppah, beautiful Kotzker Rebbe. Kotzker Rebbe says about Shavuos, you know, the mountain, Pasuk describes, where did we stand? Tachti Sahar, underneath the mountain. We stood underneath the mountain. Why? The Gemara understands that God lifted the mountain and held it over our head and said, if you accept my Torah, Mutav, Gevaldik, great, fantastic. Vimlav, but if not, you're surely going to die. That is some proposal. Imagine, you date, the boy says to the girl, goes down on one knee and says, will you marry me? If you say yes, everything will be great. If not, you will surely die. <laughs> if not, you will wither away you will grow old and lonely, you will rue the day, you will regret this moment, and you will surely die. Very, very romantic. God held the mountain over our head. We stood underneath that mountain. And that's the medrash that we all know and we were all taught and we grew up with. He held it like a barrel upside down over us. He threatened to drop it on our head. We accepted the Torah out of coercion. How do you reconcile that with Nasa Venishma? I thought we said we will do and we will listen. Sadir, that's all. But there's another image, the Tajbats. God held the mountain over our head because it was a chuppah, and we stood under it as a loving bride and groom. And in fact, the Medrash tells us that the mountain was, was translucent, it was clear. You could see the sky. Just like today, we have the custom of a bride and groom getting married outdoors, or in New York, at least, the wedding halls have a skylight right over where the chuppah goes so that you can see the sky. It's in fulfillment of the blessing that Hashem said to Avram, go outside and look up and count the stars. That's how many your progeny, your children will be. And we wish and hope and pray for that young couple that they have many children. And so we get married under a clear sky, a first marriage at least. So the chuppah, you got this girl. Go ahead, you got it. Come on, come on. I know, don't worry about it. No, 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 forget it. You got to pull, you got to turn. It's a whole, it's a whole, forget it, forget it. A for effort. A for effort. So uh, Hashem held the mountain over our head, not to drop it on our head, not to coerce us, not to threaten us. He held the mountain over our head. It was a chuppah. And in fact, the Tashbats, one of the Tamidim, the students of the Marami Rudenberg says, all the customs we have at a wedding all derive from Har Sinai. This was a wedding. This was a union. This was a bond. This was a romantic betrothal between God and the Jewish people. And what do we say unto the chuppah? The groom says to the bride, Behold, you are betrothed to me with this ring, according to the laws of Moshe and the Jewish people. And the Kutzkareb, the great Kutzkareb, points out. Imagine the groom said to the bride, You are betrothed with this ring, according to the laws. Would they be married? He left off one word, made up of two little letters. What word did he leave out? Li, to me. If he omits that word, they're not married. You could have the greatest schmorg, carving stations, charcuterie boards, stuffed cabbage, sushi galore. You could have a 400-piece orchestra and six of the most famous singers that exist. 
You could have flowers. I don't even know what words to use to describe your flowers. That would make Esti Lupin excited. You could have incredible flowers. You could have incredible flowers. But if you omit those two letters, Li, that word, Hareat Mikudeshes, and all you say, you don't omit the word Li, says the Kutzker, you're not married. Why? What's so important about the word Li? Hareat, behold, you are Mikudeshes betrothed, Li, to me. Because if you just say, behold, you are betrothed, you're betrothed to everyone else standing here. You're betrothed to the whole rest of the world. But that's not marriage. Marriage is Li, me. I'm invested, I'm involved. I give of myself, I make myself vulnerable. I'm prepared to sacrifice selflessly for this relationship. There has to be a sense of Lee. And the Kutzker applied this not only to the marriage between people, Basar Vadam, human beings, but our marriage with Hashem, the holiday of Shavuos. And that's what Shavuos is the Yom Adin for. That's what Matan Torah, that's what it means to be back at the mountain and reaccepting the Torah means Lee. Am I involved? So many of us are going through the motions of Yiddishkeit. Come to shul week, kosher, we keep Shabbos, we spend gazillions of dollars to send our kids for a Jewish education, but are we really invested in a relationship with Hashem? Do we talk to Him? Do we listen to Him? Do we make time for Him? Just yesterday I was meeting with somebody who's going through a crisis of faith, struggling in the relationship with Hashem, and I said, you know, the relationship with Hashem is no different than every other relationship we have in life. For a relationship to thrive, not just survive, it needs critical key ingredients. It needs time. If you neglect the relationship and you don't make time, then how healthy will the relationship be? It needs communication. Communication doesn't just mean that you listen attentively, actively. You listen not while you're scrolling or typing, but you listen fully present. But it also means that you talk. You have parties in a relationship who listen very well, but the other person says, no, will you say something? Tell me, let me in. What's going on in your life? Tell me your thoughts, tell me your feelings. Tell me, let me in. So communication in a relationship and a commitment to communication is not just listening, is also being willing to share, is vulnerability, is having confidence that the other can be your confidant, is both directions. You need to make time, you need to communicate, you need to speak and learn the other's love language. And the same is true with Hashem. You're not just conceptually, academically, theoretically, I'm not just checking off all the boxes, Shabbos, kosher, mikvah, davening, tuition, check, 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 check. But there's not, I'm, the one thing I'm not giving you is I'm not giving you my heart. Rachmana Liba Boy, our new granddaughter's named Miriam Liba. She was born on Lamed Beis Baomer. So she's Miriam Liba. But Liba, a Yiddish name, Lamed Yud Beis Aleph, not Hey, Liba's a Yiddish name. Liba is from Rachmana Liba Boy. Chazal, Rabbi, say, Hashem wants your heart. Rachmana Liba boy. We spoke about an anniversary birthday before. So you come home and you throw the chocolate and the card and the flowers in front of the spouse and you mumble happy anniversary. The spouse says, excuse me, what? You say, well, what's the problem? Check, check, check. Flowers, check. Card, check. Chocolates, check. Happy anniversary, check. And the other person says, Liba boy, I, I don't want those things. I want your heart. I want your emotion, I want the connection, I want the romance, I want the energy. And Hashem is no different. I don't just want your check marks. I want your heart. Rachmana Li, Baboy. Li, Mikudesh's Li. Are you invested? Are you involved? Are you present? Are you making time? Are you communicating? Are you speaking? Are you vulnerable? Are you sharing? And are you listening? 
actively, intentively. That's what Hashem wants. Rachmana liba boy. Hashem wants what's in our heart. And that's what the Yantif of Shavuos is all about. Be present. Be invested. Be involved. Be vulnerable. Make time. Communicate. Not just theoretically, but Mikudesh is li. I'm in. I'm all in. And I'm going to demonstrate. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to show you beyond a shadow of a doubt. I'm in. I feel your presence in my life always. And I talk to you and I turn to you and I tell you and I thank you and I protest to you. But I'm talking to you all day long. All day long. You've heard me say countless times. If you don't talk to Hashem when you're not in shul, you're going to struggle to talk to Him when you are in shul. If you don't talk to Him outside the sitter, you're never going to even get started to connect Him in the sitter. You have to talk to Hashem all day is an ongoing conversation. Doesn't mean halavai we could sit in shul and daven all day long. It means halavai our whole day was one long conversation with Hashem. Hashem, help me get these kids off to carpool and let there be no traffic and let us get there safely. Hashem, let me get home and get enjoy my cup of coffee and figure out what I have to do today. Hashem, thank you for having that conversation that went well and smoothly. Hashem, please let this cheesecake rise or come out well or do whatever cheesecake is supposed to do. Hashem, let uh, all day long is one long conversation from when we open our eyes, Modani, ah, I woke up, I'm alive, it's all working. Thank you, Hashem. Until we fall asleep, Hashem, thank you for a day in which the head count in my house is the same as the way the day started. Hashem, thank you for a good day where the main thing was working, the airplane was still working. Yeah, you know, there's some bells and whistles that weren't working. I wouldn't mind if you fixed them. But Hashem, thank you for a day where the main thing was still working. From when we wake up till we fall asleep, the whole day is one long conversation with Hashem. That's where our bubbies and zadis. That was Tevye, fiddler on the roof. Yes. That was him in the barn feeding the cows. It's just one long conversation with Hashem. One long conversation with Hashem. We have to reprint it. We didn't reprint it. Yechavid wrote an article on Mishpach on Pesach about her grandmother's Tehillim that adorns our home and her Tehillim that carried her through her life. And I say, whenever I've referenced this, her grandmother probably couldn't translate one sentence of Tehillim, her babi. Her babi, Zichrona Levracha, Zchusa Yagein Aleinu. She probably couldn't translate one sentence of Tehillim, but Rachmana Liba Boi, her heart was on every page of that Tehillim. Her heart and her tears soaked every page of that Tehillim. She couldn't translate, probably. Am I wrong? I'm not knocking her, her upbringing, her education, her background. She probably could. She was a bright woman, an educated woman, but she couldn't translate that much of it. She couldn't tell you the Rashi and the Ramban and the Mitzvahs Dovid and the Ibn Ezra and the Malbim and the Rabag. She couldn't tell you all the different Perushim and the Nacham Leibovitz and what does Shani Tarragon say on this and Menachem Liebtek. She couldn't tell you all that on every page of Tehillim, but every page of Tehillim could tell you all about her. So we live in a time that we can access and Google and download and memorize and spit back all the information but does the Tehillim tell the story of what's in our heart? Because Hare Mikudesh is Li. Hashem wants us. He wants our heart. He wants a relationship. He wants our time. He wants our lives to be one long, ongoing conversation with Him. That before everything we do, we ask Him for help. And after everything that happens, we thank Him it worked out well. And it's all one ongoing conversation. I met yesterday with a couple. They don't live in Boca, but they've been listening to the shirim. They asked to meet. Very, very generous with the shul. They wanted to say thank you, which was very sweet of them. And they shared with me, I don't know if they're listening now or later, they shared with me, I was very moved by it. He's uh, for 40 years been a stockbroker, been a day trader. 
And he divides his life into two periods when he was less religious and when he discovered Hashem again with Amuna. And he's had much more success where now, for the last many years, before every trade, every trade, he's a day trader, before every trade he offers a little tefillah to Hashem. And after every trade, whether he made or lost, he thanks Hashem. And he said it's changed not only his calmness in trading, knowing that you do your part, you do the best you can, you take your most educated guess, and the rest is up to Hashem. It's changed not only his emotional, physical, and spiritual health, but it's actually traded, changed his results. But what, a, what an inspiring thing. He's a day trader, and every day that he trades, there's a little tefillah he offers before every trade, and a little tefillah he offers after each trade. The whole day should be one long davening. Get in the car. Hashem, you may, it looks like someone took a bite out of the back of my car. I told you about that. Hit and run, somebody hit the car, right? So every time you drive, you think it's taken for granted, you're gonna get from point A to point B? It's a given. It's a given before the drive, it's a given when you arrive that you never even thought for a moment. I just went 60 or 70 or so miles an hour. I was in a metal box flying down a highway going 60 or 70 or 80 miles an hour on I-95 where the, the emblem of I-95 is just knuckles on a steering wheel on the top of the head, right? You can't, all the, all the fine drivers on I-95 should bench Gomel every time you drive on I-95. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Imagine there were a little tefillah. I bet you my buddy Ben does because he's got Kiatai Madi taped to his steering wheel. Kiatai Madi, you're with me. We have no idea the near-miss accidents. We have no idea everything that worked out that got us where we were going. A whole day should be one tefillah. When, when, when you're not invested in the relationship with Hashem, you're like, why would I do that? I daven chakras. And I plan on going to Mincha. Why do I have to talk to him between chakras and Mincha? When you're not invested, Lee, when it's just Harei Mikudeshes, when it's not Lee, I'm not giving you me, Rahman Aliba boy, I'm not giving you my heart. So then I daven chakras, I'm going to daven Mincha. Why do I have to say anything in between? That's like, I said goodbye to you in the morning, and I'll see you when I get home. Why do I have to call you during the day? That's not a healthy marriage. A healthy marriage is, I can't wait to have a break to call you. I love when I see your name come up on the caller ID. My heart skips a beat when I see your name on the notification that you WhatsApp me. That's a healthy marriage, not, well, I said goodbye in the morning and I'll see you tonight and what, why do I need to check in? Unless there's an emergency, we're good to go until we see each other at the end of the day. A healthy marriage is, what do you mean? We're having a conversation the whole day, even when we're not talking. In a good marriage, we're having a conversation the whole day, even when you're not talking. You know why? Because everything you're living, you're like, oh, I've got to tell her that, and I want to get her opinion on this, and I want to hear her fill me in on how that went. So even when you're not together and you're not talking, you're still in a conversation the whole day. And then you'll catch up. That's the relationship with Hashem. It is a conversation the entire day. When you're talking to Him and in between talking to Him, you're catching up, you're asking for help, you're thanking, you're reflecting, you're protesting, you're angry. That's part of a relationship too is the protest and the frustration and the ups and the downs. All of that is also evidence that there's a real relationship. If you're never protesting or frustrated or angry, you're also not putting your lee in the relationship. When I meet with couples and there's fire and anger and frustration, there's, there's possibility to their marriage making it. And when they're both just checked out, when there's apathy and indifference, that's when, that's when there's a lot of trouble. There's no lee, the heart's not in it. A heart can be in it, when you're frustrated and angry and you're passionate in that, it's because you still want more and expect more and demand more and crave more. There's possibility, there's hope, there's a future. So Mirza Shem, 
We got very far today in the Sefer. Mitzvah We should be Zoha Friday morning to stand all together, arm in arm, with Jews around the world at the base of the mountain, to hear Hashem speaking to us. Kol Gadol that great sound of Hashem speaking, His speaking that never wavered, that continues to reverberate in our ears, the timeless message of His Torah that continues to inform and inspire our lives. And may we stand there together, united as one, accepting His Torah, putting all of our heart into that relationship. Hareyat Mekudesh as Li. Hashem, we are betrothed with all, every part of who we are. And to begin and continue that conversation, which we're speaking to Him all day long. Stay happy, stay healthy, stay holy. Wishing you a beautiful, beautiful Yantif, a Kabbalah Satora. Tonight behind the beam at 9 p.m., Chief Rabbi Sir Ephraim Mervis.